Hello and welcome back to the In The Round podcast. Uh, it's an unusual voice hosting this week. Um, obviously, it's Mike and I'm joined by Dave, who is to my right on the computer screen, at least. Hello, Mike. You all right? Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we're missing Will. Uh, he has lost his voice, which makes podcasting very, very difficult. So uh, you stuck with us too this week. How's your weekend, Dave? All good? Yeah, good, thanks. I believe Will actually lost his voice because he was raiding that Tuchel bought on an unfit Lukaku. Um, that's what I've heard. Um, still, f- still fuming that uh, Kepper seems to have passed on his flappy arms to Mendy after that last-minute winner. Yeah, um, but yeah, I hope Will is able to talk next week. Um, until then, uh, there'll be a lot less insults flying around the, the West Midlands. <laughs> Uh, that's until we get to Tottenham, of course. Um, well, he'll come back. His voice will come back. Whenever you edit this, will we? Uh, we wish you well. I'm sure all the listeners do as well. But yeah, we'll catch you back on here next week. Uh, as you may have heard in the preamble, we are just going to kind of quickfire go through every game, see if we can pick out some storylines uh, from the weekend's action. We'll see where we end up um after about 45 minutes so let's get into it and of course the first game conveniently will isn't here for west ham three <laughs> chelsea two dave what have you got for me here i know you don't like the lukaku thing so do you want to start there yeah uh, i mean i understand him him wanting to get lukaku on obviously paid a lot of money everyone knows his ability uh is you know he's probably one of the best players in the prem if not one of the best players in the world but bring him on for that length of time when he's been out for so long. And to be honest, with West Ham Chelsea, it's usually Chelsea are the far superior team. Yes, there's a bit of West Ham have a chance because it's first derby, but probably for the first time it feels like in, in recent years at least, if not probably our entire lifetime, West Ham are actually a good match for this Chelsea team in footballing terms, aside from the the added pressure of the rivalry of the fixture. Um I just sort of, yeah, I just sort of think, why would you bring on Lukaku when you know he's not really going to be able to have an impact on the game? And ultimately, I think it's unfair for him to do that because Lukaku's obviously had criticism from people for for basically being ineffective for a half. I don't know what they were expecting him to do. Um, But fair play to West Ham, I mean... Like we keep saying with this Moyes team, they're so well organised and they actually have the quality. that That's what's keeping them this high up the table. Some performance from uh, from Jared Bowen in this game, by the way. Yeah, Bowen's a great player. He's just, it's like, to be honest, with West Ham, since Moyes has taken over, I mean, Vlasic, maybe the jury's still out on him a bit. And, and obviously that, um, is it Kral they signed this summer? But... On the whole, every signing Moyes has has made for this West Ham team has perfectly fit the team. Like Kufal, Suchak, Bowen, Pablo, or was Pablo Fornells already there? Either way, he's got the best out of Fornells. Yeah. Craig Dawson was great, who's come in. Uh, that was a yeah. heck of a signing, Craig Dawson. Yeah, he's been quality. Even Lingard on loan, remember, was fantastic. Yeah. He's really... Obviously, Zuma was always going to be a great signing, but but he is a great signing. Fair play for Moyes getting him in and West Ham for getting a player of that calibre to them. Um, it just feels like every... Sorry, who? 
Ben Rama, sorry. Yeah, we like yeah, him as good well. Good shout. Good shout. Yeah, it's like every team, every signing he's made actually. Obviously, Ben Rama took a bit longer to get embedded into the team compared to some of the others, but all of them fit the team perfectly, and all the players seem to. Yeah, they just fight for each other, don't they? Like whoever he puts in that team, they're they're all giving a hundred and ten percent. And like I say, teams that do that stay in the league, but teams that have that quality of West Ham right now, they can be right up there. Yeah, definitely. Where do you see West Ham finishing this year? Um, could, they, could they get in the top four? It's a, that, it's a that's tough, too high. I mean, one thing that is worth pointing out with West Ham is obviously. I know Liverpool are fantastic, but with the African Cup of Nations, for example, Liverpool are going to lose Salah and Mane for quite a period of time. Obviously, with quarantine rules and stuff, I believe it's something like they could be gone from Boxing Day until I think it's the start of February, which obviously in Premier League this time of the year, that, that could be as many as like nine or ten games. Um, West Ham, obviously... Don't really. I don't think they'd be losing anyone. Uh, I know Maswako. Maswaki, sorry, plays for uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Maybe they'd be. Maybe they made Afcon. I'll be honest. I'm not 100% sure who's qualified. Um, but I mean, there's other players like Arsenal will lose Party, for example, who's who's come in and been good in their midfield. I think to be honest, you could look at West Ham because one, they're already there, but. Liverpool could well lack that cut, cutting edge for a while, lose some points. And that could be what, what it takes for West Ham to finish top four. I mean, I think top six is realistic. Yeah. Top four would be, well, well amazing. But I'm, I'm not sure if, for example, if they come top six, I don't think any West Ham fan would be disappointed. No, um, definitely not. Especially given they're in Europe this season as well. They seem Just to be balanced quite well so far. Ben Rama is Algerian, actually, so maybe they would lose him. But like we've seen with West Ham, to be honest, they've been able to rotate this team quite a lot. Like when Fornells goes out there, he does well. Yarmolenko when he comes in, Bowen. So I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this West Ham team seemed really easy to write off, but last season they got into Europe. And this season they're still... Yeah, they're a bit behind the top three, but in terms of everyone else, they seem best at the rest, it, it feels like. It kind of does feel that way, uh, which is interesting. So, yeah, West Ham fans having a good time. Uh, on the flip side of this one, Chelsea, they're one of the top three. Can they can they beat out City and, uh, City and Liverpool, do you think? It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because how many times have you looked at relegation scraps or even title winning teams and the team that's missed out by fine margins you look at a game exactly like this where Mendy makes a very strange mistake from Chelsea go ahead twice as well in this game yeah I think I think you look at these results and I think they'll be right up there but you can't you can't afford to lose I mean teams for me that win the league like Liverpool they were scrapping one nils and stuff. Somehow you find a way to win. This is one of those games that these three, I think, are quite evenly matched. That literally could be as fine margins. A one or two games that went amiss over 38 could cost you the league this year. 
it definitely could. That'll, that'll lead us nicely straight into the, the 94th minute winner uh, at mm. Molyneux from Origi, who I heard a stat, I was just listening to the Guardian podcast on my way back from work. Apparently he started 34 games in seven seasons. Uh, wow. Um, that is crazy, isn't it? Except he, oh. you bring him on, he keeps coming up with these big goals. Yeah, it's, it's baffling. Um, I think I also saw a stat that this season he's played something like 13 minutes and scored three go- two goals. <laughs> I, I That's think amazing, it, isn't it? That, yeah, that is what I saw. I mean, if that is still 100%, I'm not sure, but he does only seem to come off the bench in like the 85th minute plus, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if that is correct. But, I mean... I do sort of like when players like this come off because, I don't know, it's just nice to see the manager rewarded for, for giving the guy a chance, basically. And like I say, with this African Cup of Nations, if they can get Origi sort of firing a little bit or help them uh, try and fill the void, obviously you can't really fill the void of Mane and Salah, but Origi has obviously proven that he can be a, a good, good enough player or at least a reliable player, so... But again, like I was saying, Mike, teams that win the league somehow find a way to win. We saw it when they actually won the league, Liverpool. Uh, Pickford also providing for Rigi actually comes to mind in that inside derby. But these are the games where you could look back on and Liverpool could, if if they don't win the league, they could pip Chelsea by a point. And you're like, yeah, it was, it was that week where Liverpool found a goal at the death and somehow Chelsea lost 3-2. And Mandy, yeah, just learnt from Kappa. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> yeah. I've always been so full of praise for, for Mendy, but I, I really don't know what he was doing there. I don't know how he lost direction of the ball so much that he was drifting the wrong way wrong way from the ball. I, I don't really know that. <laughs> yeah, bit of a confusing one, uh, confusing one there. On the uh, on the other side of this game, obviously we got the Wolves. It's a bit of a sickener for them to lose. Yeah. Uh, lose the way they did. They're still eighth in the league, though, uh, and actually having quite a decent season. Yeah. So. Yeah. Didn't they lose their like, first four or one out of the first? Sorry, one, one first five. Something like, like that. And they really weren't scoring goals. But we, yeah. I think, all came on this podcast and said, don't worry about them. And here they are. Well, yeah, just like uh, feet and they're still in eighth. Yeah, it's a bit of a signal for them, obviously, uh, losing games so late, especially against a team like Liverpool, because literally anyone would take a point at Liverpool, anybody. Um, so to lose it at the death is sickening. But I think, to be honest, with Wolves, again, they seem organised enough that maybe they could even sneak top six. I mean, everyone knows what Tottenham are like. They seem to have a new manager bounce for a bit, and then they fall into being Tottenham. Arsenal are Arsenal and Man United are Man United. Both of those teams super unpredictable, aren't they? Unfortunately, for very very bizarre. Yeah, so I think there's a yeah, there's a chance for another decent Wolves season this year, which which is kind of a little surprising going into it, I'd say. Yeah, especially given obviously starting that poorly, even though the football was clearly there, they had so many shots. There are alarm bells when any manager has a start. A- any team has that start to the season, but if a new manager has that start to the season, everyone's starting to, to panic, really. But obviously, 
they just needed to cash in their, their XG, really. Um, yeah. But they look well organised again. I felt like at the end of Wolves, with the organisation that he'd instilled into them had sort of slipped away. But I feel like Bruno... Is it, how do you say He seems to have got them a well-disciplined team, hard to beat again. And bringing in players like Huang, they seem to have a bit of a bite up front again. And obviously it takes some pressure off Jimenez. So, yeah, yeah, I think Wolves are a good team to look out for this year. And, and they're playing well. So Yeah, for sure. They've kind of slipped under my radar, being that high in the league. So, yeah, fair play to them. It's very unfortunate. This weekend against Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool just do what they do. <laughs> uh, we won't spend too much time on the next one. Newcastle get their first win of the season at home mm-hmm. against Burnley. Um, Joel Linton with a 7.7 here on who scored, so clearly had a great game, which is nice to see. I have been saying, Mike, that Newcastle fans on, on Twitter are saying Joel Linton is a totally different player under Eddie Howe, so we actually keep things coming from him. I did... I did uh, a bit of research on this uh, on Tuesday night. I watched uh, Newcastle Norwich for my sins because uh, obviously it was the Amazon Prime week last week. Um, had nothing else to do, so I thought I'll give this give this a watch. And he had a good game there. It looks as though he's had another good game here. Yeah, he does actually seem to be in decent form at the moment, so that is nice to see um, under Eddie Howe. Uh, quite a big win this one for Newcastle. Their first of the season, of course, puts them back above Norwich, who they. Uh, who they held in midweek, despite going down to 10 men early doors. Um, where are we at with the relegation battle, Dave? Burnley, Newcastle and Norwich all on 10 points, three adrift it's, of Watford. It's tough because, I'll be honest, Watford are Watford. So, Watford in the Premier League goes one of two ways. You, you watch them lose every week when you check the scores, but somehow they're 16th come the end of the season. <laughs> Or Watford actually play quite well, but just can't turn their play into points and go down, which is sort of what we saw last time they went down. Like obviously they beat that Liverpool team who were were unbeaten but still got relegated. I mean, alarm bells to me with Watford just because their pedigree is to get relegated at this point. And I love Ranieri, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how good a manager he still is, given how his career has been since he left Leicester. Burnley, obviously, are well-disciplined. Everyone knows that with Daesh. You've got to fancy them to somehow find a way. I don't know, to be honest. Even Norwich, I mean, Dean Smith's probably the best manager they've had in the Prem in recent times. Obviously, Fark, decent coach, but couldn't do it in the Prem. I don't know, it's interesting. And then you've got teams like Southampton, Leeds, Palace, even Brentford, really, could get dragged into it. I think I think the fact that these three have managed to, between them, admittedly, only Burnley and Newcastle draw, only won one of the last five, Norwich won two, but they've all only lost one of the last five, which, given how their seasons have started, that's got to give all of the players in, in three teams a bit of confidence. Meanwhile, you've got Watford who've lost four of five. It is worth saying that the ones Watford have lost were to Arsenal, Leicester, uh, Chelsea and Man City. But yeah, yeah, the point point remains. The point does remain that, yeah, they're in worse form than the other three. Yeah, I think it's a tough one to call. I mean, when Newcastle 
I think when you look at squads of the three, Newcastle clearly have a better team. I mean, Burnley have players that are good for them, as in the way Burnley play, but good for everyone else, not so sure. Norwich, obviously, the worst of the three there. But with Dean Smith, maybe there'll be a bit of a different outfit. But yeah, Newcastle, to be honest, part of me, I want them to stay up, but part of me thinks it would be hilarious to go down now they finally have all this money. But it's certainly going to be interesting to keep an eye on throughout the season because I think literally anyone from 13th down, as it currently stands, could be could be down, to be honest. It's, it's certainly going to be interesting. Yeah, it should, it should be uh, should be an interesting one down there for I sure. Think Newcastle is. I felt with the Norwich game. I know that it's out of, of Eddie House, but it's out of all of the Newcastle players other than Kieran Clark's hand. Yeah, sent off nine minutes in. That was a game they had to win for me. They had to get like if you're in the if you're Burnley in Newcastle, you have to be taking six points off Norwich. Yeah, it, it went from yeah, it went from a game that they had to win to that red it's card. A game not to lose, not but to lose, which is yeah. Kieran Clark's fault, obviously. But from a Newcastle perspective, it's frustrating not not to come out of that and Burnley with two wins because that really would have yeah, I think that really would have kickstarted their season a bit. But. No, I think that is a good point. And I will say that the 10 men of Newcastle, because obviously I watched that game in full, the 10 men of Newcastle were the better side for at least 70 minutes of that game. Which is yeah. crazy to say. So you look at that and you think they probably would have, or maybe would have won it 11 v 11. But there you go. Um, that's enough of Newcastle Burnley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Southampton Brighton was the final 3 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. That finished one apiece. Uh, again, I haven't got too much to say here, except that Neil Mopai scored another late one to get Brighton a little bit out of jail. I felt really sorry for Southampton, to be honest. Didn't they have 10 men at the end because of an injury after they used three subs? Didn't they? Is that right? Yeah. I, th- I think so. Uh, but it was just very. Yeah, it's, it's it was a bit of a nothing. Like Southampton, Brighton, Brighton started well, or obviously falling into Brighton of last season, where they're not really managing to score their convert their chances. Southampton obviously lost Ings. Uh, still look an okay team. They just don't have the quality that they're almost being frauded with with Ings really because he was scoring so much, not so much last season but the season before that they sort of frauded themselves into looking a good team, but Rio just had a kind of striker. Both of them play good football, so I can't fault them for that. But, yeah. But, I mean, I think both of them would take a point, but at the same time, both of the fan, both sets of fans must be just crying for their teams to start winning a couple of games. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Potters Brighton were booed again this week. I didn't hear anything about that, but... I hope not. They shouldn't be doing him at all. No. But yeah, Mopai gets him out of jail again with another late one. Uh, so that's good for Brighton. As Dave mentioned before, Southampton, um, yeah, struggling to score goals this season. They've only scored 14 in, in their 15 league games, which is clearly not a lot. Yeah, actually between, sorry there as well, Mike, between Southampton and Brighton, they have one win in their last five, like 10 games essentially combined. Brighton have drawn four and lost one. 
Southampton lost two, drawn two, won one. So, and that win, by the way, for Southampton was the first of the five games. So, yeah, like I say, they met both sets of fans. Even though one won that place value is bad, they must be they must be sick that neither of them won it. Especially Southampton being robbed 98th minute. That's pretty tough, isn't it? That is pretty tough to take. Um, but yeah, that's that's plenty enough on on that one, I think. <laughs> uh, Watford won Man City three. The Bernardo Silva show again. Oh, he's he is top this season, isn't he, Bernardo? He really. Cause, Do they just like take it to us at City? Oh, this, yeah. Bernardo Silva's three months at the moment. And then last year we had Gundawan had three months, didn't he? Mm. I, think, periods. I think with Bernardo Silva, is, his technical ability has never really been in doubt. But he just, I felt like last season and, and maybe even the season before, he wasn't really able to express himself. But like his first season, something just clicked this year. And he's, yeah, he's become, in what is, frankly, a star-studded team, he's probably their stand-up player every week at the moment. So he is at the moment, yeah, for sure. But, yeah. yeah, I didn't think Watford were, I mean, Watford managed to be in this game a bit, which, to be honest, for anyone against Man, this Man City team, I mean, they got battered possession-wise, but they managed 11 shots against City. Yeah, these aren't the games that are going to define Watford's season, are they? No, I just, I just mean fair play for them. I think no, I agree. If you give this team a, a game, then chances are you're going to be pretty bloody good against most other teams. Yeah, yeah, no, that I that's what I was trying to echo that. Just yeah. It, yeah. You, they played quite well. Chucho, obviously, he looks like actually quite a decent player, this, this Chucho guy. Scored the goal. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, Probably should have set set one up for Josh King as well, who, who missed one late on, which could have made it quite interesting. On the on the other foot, Man City, one, they expect to beat Watford, but two, the Chelsea result going in their way, that they must be buzzing because, to be honest, it was like all three of them keep winning. No one's moving around. Finally, Chelsea dropped not only points, but all three. Yeah. City finally get to put themselves back on the top. I thought that, and I wondered... Uh... About the Liverpool one, because that was obviously a 3pm, whether they knew if Liverpool had scored or not, because obviously Liverpool scored like oh, 94 yeah. minutes, uh, yeah. whether they found out before they went out there and how that might have affected them, but clearly not. They played, they were incredible. The game was over in within five five or so minutes when the first one went in. Um, I mean, the the ease that, that they can they can and do just cut through teams like they did, that first goal was outrageous. <laughs> yeah, they're just... Yeah, they're just unreal, aren't they? Like, when Man City turn on, uh, I'm not sure there's many better teams out there right now. No, there really isn't. I, they're, they're my pick for the title. I've, I picked them at the start of the season. I'd, I'd still pick them now, I think. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I think I mean, it's going to be tough, but like like I think, really, with... Uh, yeah, I think African Cup of Nations is what could stop Liverpool really winning the league so I would also be inclined to say City really uh, yeah yeah that's that's kind of where I lead I think yeah they're still brilliant and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon no neither they've got they've got so many good players it's, it's a little bit mad um going to a game that didn't have so many good players on show Spurs three uh Norwich nil <laughs> got to get my Spurs dig in yeah yeah um, doesn't it 
hey? It has to happen, doesn't it? To be fair. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah, Norwich pretty poor again. Um, Spurs did score some goals. I think uh, I think Conte is going to want to add to this squad in in January quite a little, quite a lot, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to gauge Tottenham, isn't it? Because I mean, you expect pretty much everyone in the league. To- to be taking a game to Norwich, so beating them 3-0 is, is to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think it's just part and parcel of what you expect. <laughs> Having said that, Norwich actually had 60% possession in this game and had most of the ball away from home, I'd like to add. I, I didn't actually know that. And I did see, I admit, I didn't watch the game, but I saw the highlights and Norwich missed some pretty good chances. Like, this could have... I mean, Pookie missed an absolute sitter, I think, and it was still nil-nil. It was... Yeah, it was... They, they weren't exactly totally dominant here. I mean, I think Ida as well missed one uh, before it went 2-0. If, you know, Norwich oh, wow. could have been 2-1 up. Uh, Do when... you want to know the XG? Wasn't Norwich? Um, Norwich must be high because Pookie and Ida missed absolute sitters. Yeah, one point seven for Spurs, one point six for Norwich. So actually, just uh, clearly for Spurs if we if we're looking at that. Yeah, so it's not really a game to gauge for Tottenham anyway because, like, like say, you expect them to beat Norwich, but it didn't exactly pick them apart. If anything, they were they were lucky that they took their chances. So. There we go. You win 3-0 and we still find a way to make it seem like you're crap. Love <laughs> this game. Um, all right, on to the next one, which actually was quite a fun game. It always is when Leeds are involved and Brentford, to be fair. Uh, Leeds 2, Brentford 2. Um, another injury time equaliser in this one. And it was from our boy Bamford back from injury. Yeah. So, yeah. See him. We, yeah, we love to see him back on the pitch. Um, yeah, any, any thoughts on this one, Dave? Uh, yeah, I mean, Leeds, I think Leeds will be happy because obviously they were they were losing a lot of games at the start. Brentford, obviously, fair play to them. I think for a promoted team, they seem pretty good. Um, especially, really yeah, especially given they kept most of the players that they came up with. It's not like they've gone out and bought an entire new 11, but it's got some big names. They're still playing the same players. And they're they're doing well. I think they've they've proven against pretty much everyone so far that they're a pretty tough team to beat. They can definitely mix it, can't they? Agreed. Even against the big teams, Brentford aren't really a team you can write off. They played well against Chelsea, I remember. They obviously beat Arsenal first day. Uh, kind of unluck- a little unlucky to lose 2-0 to Spurs in the week. Yeah, they're, they're a good team. I think with Leeds, they'll just be happy that they keep picking up points. And crucially, those around them keep actually, yeah, they keep losing. Or, yeah, or they're playing each other or losing. <laughs> Leeds are actually slowly creeping away from from relegation, even though the the like Newcastle won, for example. Newcastle were the one team that were actually already quite far behind them. So they keep moving forward and I've yeah I've just had look they've only lost one of their last five which given how they started the season seems maybe Leeds are and with Bamford back to be honest I'll go as far as to say we'll probably see more of what we saw from them last season sure I hope so. picking up some more results 
Yeah, they had uh, they added Bamford and Ailing back in this game. Unfortunately, though, Cooper and um, Phillips got injured. When oh, man, there's no rest for It's it really a tough time at Ellen Road at the moment to keep the whole squad fit, isn't it? Um, and that is kind of what's stopping them, I think, having a having so a very small squad as well. So it doesn't take a couple of more than a couple of injuries for them to be really. Exactly. Yeah, they've they've just finally got two of their key players back, and they lose another two. Yeah. In there, it's, it's yeah, it's tough. So I think uh, <clears throat> I think to be fair for Brentford, the points okay. It's just a bit of a signal the way that the equaliser happened, and good to see back our boy Bamford back on the score sheet for yeah. sure. Um, what's his name? Adam Forshaw, is it? That plays centre mid for Leeds. Yeah, Forshaw. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, that's terrible. Uh, all right, we'll go to Old Trafford, I suppose. Um, Ralph's first game in charge. How much of this one, this result, dictates the narrative? If if Jordan Ayew scores that chance that he has, how much of a different conversation are we having see, this evening? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I thought Palace were quite good. Um, they they didn't they didn't do bad. Uh, obviously, Ayew really should have scored. And I'm not sure this Man United team, like, it seems the problem with them. I know that in the season that, like, Project Restart, they were fantastic at coming from behind. I don't think this Man United team, uh, I don't know. I think if they go down, they're always looking to just get a point. They're not looking to, you wouldn't back them necessarily to win anymore from being behind. But it would have been interesting because, to be honest, Fred's goal was, was pretty good. Um, it was a nice goal, in fairness. I've been pretty critical of him, but it was a nice goal. So they they sure scored a good goal that is sort of unsavable. If Fred doesn't produce that shot, it's nil nil. And and if I puts it away, I I think he probably would have lost. So I'm not sure Ralph would have particularly liked what he was saying. Um, they were a bit wasteful as well. I think they they missed quite a few chances. To be honest, man, you. Um, but like you say, if IU puts them one nil up, what what would we be talking about? Because what do you think as a United fan, Mike? Do you think? Yeah, I, I thought it it was a lot more. Well, I say a lot more. It was better organised, which is a good start. The the box formation is interesting. They're like four two two two. Um, yeah, it was, it was clear that Fred and McTominay were told to not go anywhere, and you just sit in front of the back four. So that Palace couldn't counter-attack. I like the idea of someone up with Ronaldo. So yeah. if we're gonna press, at least he's got someone around him. Um yeah. to help him. Seems seems a good idea, to be honest. There's there's still a lot of not amazing footballers in this squad. <laughs> so there's still work to be done. Obviously, that was on what 48 hours and one training session. Um, so yeah, we'll take the three points. Admittedly, it was probably a little lucky. Um, and it'll be interesting to what they see, what they do tomorrow night or tonight, if when you're listening um, against young boys, because that's kind of a free hit. I think we're already through. Yeah, that will be interesting to see what Ralph chooses to do with that one. I think. Yeah, so we'll it will be interesting to see what happens there. Um, as far as Palace go in this game, yeah, a bit of a tough one to take with the IU chance and a bit of a worldie from Fred. Uh, they have been playing a little worse recently. I'm sure they'll be all right, to be honest. 
I think uh, I think they'll be fine. You've got uh, Eze coming back. Edward still hasn't really settled, so there. I mean, there's plenty, plenty of of things that can go their way. Gallagher's a bit of a star, isn't he? So. Yeah, Gallagher's a, Gallagher's a really good player, to be honest. Um, almost reminiscent of Loftus Cheek, where he goes on loan from Chelsea, and you're like, wow, how's maybe this guy should be getting minutes for Chelsea, but. I certainly like the direction Palace are going in. I was a bit dubious of the, the appointment of Vieira, but I think they, they play good football. I think they're certainly far more excited than they were under Hodgson. So, yeah, that's for sure. So I think, I think they're going the right way. They just need to cut out the defensive mistakes, which unfortunately have probably been their biggest downfall. <laughs> All right, we'll go to uh, we'll go to Villa Park, the four thirty on uh, on Sunday, which I listened to on my way back from work um, on the radio. Two one to Villa, and another win for Gerard. Um, new manager bounce, or is this? Can we expect Villa to be this decent going forward? Do you think? Um, it's hard to say, isn't it? Like it could be a new manager bounce, but to be fair, um, Villa have looked a lot more. A lot more drilled, uh, I think, under Gerard already. I think with Dean Smith, he obviously had an idea. He's tried to play the same way that he was playing with Grealish, without Grealish. They didn't really have the discipline. They were getting cut open. I think Gerard's already made them a bit harder to break down. And also, I think he's getting the best out of John McGinn. He's moved McGinn a little bit in midfield, so he's more more forward. And yeah, he seems to be the John McGinn that. Yeah, I'm not a lie. I think John McGinn's a class player, but he is class. Sort of performances that made us think he was class seem to be coming back in this role. Um, Definitely, he was getting fouled a lot in the first half. Yeah, uh, he's just a very good player. I mean, also Buendia seemed to uh, seems to be playing okay under uh, Gerard, uh, which is good. And I I don't know if it was genuine injuries or maybe Smith didn't actually fancy him, but he didn't really get any minutes under Smith. So, yeah, and Smith was playing him out of position too. So now Buendia's back where he's, he's supposed to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. He does seem to be playing a lot better. A brace for Ez- Ezri Cons is a bit of a weird one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking the game. Bizarre. Uh, and a nice goal from Harvey Barnes. I really wish, fantasy football-wise, that they'd just work out if it's going to be Madison or Barnes who's going to score the points. Because I keep picking up one and dropping the other just in time for the one that I pick up to have a, a barren spell and the other one to have a good spell. Also, Mike, with this uh, Villa-Laster game, did you see Villa's disallowed goal by any chance? Uh, I haven't, but I heard it on the radio. And, I'm still uh, not sure about it because in the picture... He's got, Schmeichel's got a hand on the ball. However, to argue that he's in possession of it, I'm really not sure. So, uh, yeah, so apparently, according to the rule, so long as he has his hand on it and it's touching another surface, i.e. the ground or Okay, well, yeah, hand, by that case... He and he stopped it, which apparently he had. I haven't seen it, but on the radio they say he did stop it. So long as he stopped it, he technically is in possession of it. Okay, now, fair enough. I think originally on the radio they were fuming because they was like, "Well, he hasn't got two hands on it. How could that be disallowed? <laughs> he hasn't got control of it." That's what that's what I was a little unsure of because I know the rule used to be two hands, and also if his hands. That's what I thought it still was, but I only know that because they had to read out the law on the radio. 
And if one hands on top of the ball on, on what was a bit of a wet pitch, does he really have it under control? But obviously, if that's the rule, then yes, he did have it under control. Yeah, yeah. So I, I will go and watch it and and be annoyed by it. But <laughs> but apparently that is the rule. So yeah, I guess fair enough. Um, fair enough on that one. Uh, another 2-1 home win in the final game of the weekend, which was last night, um, Monday night. We are recording a day late because we were hoping Will was going to make it. Um, unfortunately not. And another late goal in this one, Dave. Everton yeah. to Arsenal won. Uh, what did you make of this one? Honestly, even going into this game, I was thinking somehow Arsenal lose this to an, a woeful Everton team. <laughs> that happened. I mean, Richarlison had two goals disallowed because he was offside. One was... One was one of those very tight VAR where they draw about four lines and you realise actually he's offside by a toenail. Um, but I mean, the goal that they conceded, uh, Damari Gray's goal, the winner, I don't know if you've seen it. One, it's a fantastic goal, but how Everton get the ball is ridiculous. It's from like an Arsenal throw-in where basically throw it back to, I think, I think Nuno Tavares and... Maybe Shaka. Basically, all they need to do is hoof it up the pitch and whoever they throw it into takes a bad touch, loses the ball. They pass it to Andre Gomez. Andre Gomez sprays it out to Gray, who cuts inside and scores a screamer. But bloody hell, like Arsenal being Arsenal, you'd think they have really turned a corner and then they're back to being their own worst victims. I mean, they were lucky to be one up given those two goals disallowed, but... I mean, this is an Everton team that really are there for the taking, let's be honest. The fans have been walking out of games. They just lost, was it was it 5-1 or, or 4-1 to Liverpool in the Merseyside derby? Yeah, the and they were nowhere in that game. They're basically rock bottom, aren't they? Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. Basically yeah, yeah. rock bottom. You've lost 2-1 to them. I don't, don't know how Arsenal keep doing things like this over the last couple of years. <laughs> It's so Arsenal, isn't it? One thing I would like to add with this is why he keeps giving Eddie Nketiah minutes. I do not understand. Like, I have no issue with Nketiah as a person, but he keeps, as in, ter- in footballing terms, he keeps rejecting Arsenal contracts. He's he's on a free at the end of the season. I think he's turned down publicly at least three or four contract offers over the last couple of seasons. He's got someone like Pepe on the bench who, fair enough, I don't think he's ever justified his fee, but he will score goals. And I think last season in all comps, he managed to grab 20 goals. He was quite good last year, you, yeah. Yeah, you, you're wanting to play, put someone out, put someone on for Martinelli who sort of had had enough and been tired like always with Martinelli because he's not, to be fair to Vinder, he's not really had any sort of runs in the team playing 90 minutes. He brings on Nketiah, who doesn't want to be there. Shock, he has no impact on the game. Then after being conceding the first, he brings on an unfit Aubameyang for Lacazette. And suddenly you've got Nketiah, who's an out-and-out striker, who, who doesn't really do much running in terms of tracking back, and an unfit Aubameyang trying to stop people on the wing. And lo and behold, they conceded the goal. I really understand. Um but it's just frustrating for Arsenal because every time they seem to... I think the thing is with Arsenal, you think they've turned a the corner, and I imagine Arsenal fans feel like this. 
But then there's always one game when you go, ah, it is still the same Arsenal that we've been seeing the last few seasons. Yeah, they're still Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's frustrating for them because, like, I mean, with this Arsenal team, I know I've openly criticised Arteta quite a few times on this pod. I think where they've been since since Wenger, for example, this squad's probably the best. I know they still had like Sanchez and Özil, or at least Özil, but obviously it wasn't the fully committed Özil that they first had. I mean, Smithrow and Saka are great. Uh, Aubameyang, as frustrating as he has been last season and this season, is still a fairly decent player. Their defence is probably the most solid it's been in, in God knows how many seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely promise there for Arsenal, but it's just frustrating that, again, if you watch it, Mike, or anyone listening has watched it, yeah, it's a great goal from Damari Gray, but Everton, frankly, shouldn't have the ball. It should be, if anything, towards their own box, (laughs) spending, and somehow they're scoring because they've been literally gifted the ball inside Arsenal's half. I don't... It must be frustrating for Arteta because clearly he's worked so hard to try and coach them out of these things like any coach would. And they go, you know, like a month or or four or five games where where they're all perfect and the team look good. Uh, Even if they lose, it's it's not down to any errors. It's just, you know, sometimes you play a Man City or a Liverpool and you you just can't compete with them as much. But it's always some someone messing up in the team always and that must be so frustrating for obviously for fans but even for Arteta like players at this level shouldn't really be making mistakes and you can't really coach out of them I don't think because they've got so much quality they just shouldn't be making these mistakes yeah they are better than this they have they have shown a lot more of that this season, which hopefully is a positive they can build on. But yeah, they have to stop doing shit like this, especially yeah. against, as you say, Dave, this Everton team. You've got to, you've got to go there. And one, one thing, sorry, I thought I'd mention. I'm sure anyone that watched this game is probably screaming, but I am going to mention it. Have you seen Ben Godfrey's basically stamp on Tommy Yassi's face that didn't even get a card from VAR, and I think that was still nil nil at that point. Good grief. So basically, it's like a tackle on the touchline and Godfrey's stretching. He looks to see where Tomiyasu is and he plants his foot on his face. Tomiyasu had stud marks on his face that he was like going up to the ref. He wasn't, he wasn't like, um, yeah, he wasn't like rolling around or anything. He He got up like had clear stud marks slash a cut on his face and was like to the ref, come on, what the hell? VAR decided nothing. Obviously, if Ben Godfrey goes there, which to be honest, you expect, obviously Arsenal, you'd expect comfortably win this game. So maybe Arsenal feel, players feel, well, fans feel agreed and maybe that's why the players were frustrated. They missed some chances and they should have been playing 10 men. But at the end of the day, again, still comes down to them making an individual error, which... Oh, it's just frustrating, <laughs> let alone Arsenal fans or... Yeah, Dave's not even an Arsenal fan and listen to, our, listen to our annoyed ears. Good grief. Yeah, because you just want them to be good and you want them to be the Arsenal that, that we grew up with. Like, at least a team that plays good football and, and whatever, but they literally can't rely upon themselves. It's so strange. 
Very, very strange. You can't lose this. This Everton team are terrible. Benitez is terrible. <laughs> That's all I've got for you, Everton. Yeah, you won this game, but I don't, I don't think it's going to get too much better. Uh, uh, all right, we've been around the grounds within and around. That was quite a little whistle-stop tour of, the, of all 10 games. Like, I quite enjoyed that. I don't know about you, Dave. Yeah, yeah, it was good. That's decent. Give you a little storyline on everything, uh, apart from Newcastle Burnley, of course. Um, but yeah, that'll just about do it, I think, for this week. Uh, hopefully, Will will be back next week. Again, we wish him well. Um, Dave, if the people would like to follow you, where can they do that? Yeah, it's... Uh, <clears throat> God, I'm tough there. Uh, it's on Dave Harris underscore 44. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me at Mikey Breslin. You can follow Will at WillHunt17 on Twitter. But of course, we would much rather you followed us at In The Round Pod uh, on all the socials, um, including LinkedIn. Um, all right, cool. We will uh, we'll see you back on here next week. Fingers crossed your team win at the weekend. Um, and yeah, sayonara. Sayonara.